Welcome to Midpoint, OCC's midweek podcast aimed at helping you connect with last week's message and prepare you for next week's sermon. Let's dive in. Welcome to Midpoint, your midweek connection to Orchards Community Church. My name is Forrest Jenkins, and joining me today is Pastor James Green. For one of my favorite times of the whole week. <laughs> I love Midpoint. You I love do. It. You have said that repeatedly. <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah. So a sermon today for the fall kickoff 2023 was Get in the Game. Revisiting the, the theme from the Connection Fair. Yep. So if it did sound familiar, <laughs> that's where it came from. We're yeah. kicking off the uh, the small groups, the rooted groups, the, the Bible studies that are going on. We're into the start of school, and uh, just that's why we call it yeah, the fall yeah. kickoff. So so in summary, this the sermon this past Sunday was covering uh, Mark chapter 3, verses 13 to 19, where Jesus appointed the 12 disciples who were seemingly common, ordinary guys, but with very different backgrounds. <laughs> they were idiotes. Yeah. <laughs> As we talked about I've in staff meeting <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But uh, Jesus sent them out. Yeah. Uh, he gave them yeah. authority. They went out, and they did accomplish great things for the kingdom. Amen. So, so James, this was a great description of the very first small group uh, creating relational connections. Uh, but was there anything that you felt like did you wanted to get into the sermon, but oh, it goodness. just didn't yeah. fit? There was there was not enough time. Um, and, and I guess that's a neat thing to be preparing a sermon and realize you, you have to condense stuff to get in there. To really spend time walking through the lives of these twelve guys would have taken a long, long time. There's a really good book, um, and I recommend this book to people. Although sometimes I struggle with the author a little bit, uh, John MacArthur is a guy who can get a little, what's the best way to say this, prideful. Mm, <laughs> um, okay. It's not that he's legalistic. I, I think, honestly, MacArthur's theology is really pretty sound. Uh-huh. Um, I've struggled sometimes, like he'll write, well, I don't care who says this or what they say, whatever, but here's what I say. And I'm always like, well, if you don't care what anybody else says, <laughs> why should we care? <laughs> But he's confident, at least. But he's confident. And and again, his theology is pretty solid. He's he's kind of uber conservative, but um, he's also been really gracious in some areas like divorce and, and remarriage and stuff. He's mm-hmm. really trying to follow hard after Scripture. But all that to be said, his commentary series is is good in many ways, and then sometimes you're like, I think he went too far. But he wrote a couple books that were phenomenal. Uh, one of them is called 12, uh, 12 Ordinary Men. And then he wrote a book called 12 Extraordinary Women, kind of the 12 oh, women okay. who, who yep. get the most face time in the Bible. Um, but that 12 Extraordinary Men book is great. That's where I stole most of the stuff for the sermon. He just kind of walks through the lives of these guys All right. who made up Jesus's first small group. And so, yeah, I mean, the book is 200 some odd pages. We could have gone on and on and on about neat things about these guys just from what we see in Scripture. Right. And then you start working in the fact they're real guys and they have real lives and real backgrounds, and, and we catch so very little of that in the Gospels. So, yeah, we had to leave a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor hmm. to get down to 40 minutes for this sermon. But I, I think, or at least I pray, that we kind of caught the essence of these are guys just like you and me. These are normal, ordinary idiots, right. Uh, right. knuckleheads like you and me. And Jesus picked them to be his guys that we're going to make up this small group. And I don't know, and, and maybe that's because the whole nature of a small group is kind of new, um, even in the life of the church where small groups have been a thing ever since the church kind of made that big transition from moving from classroom Bible study type stuff to right, small right. groups in homes, which hasn't been you know really over the last several decades. Mm-hmm. But that's truly what Jesus' group of disciples were. They were a small group. 
There are 12 guys that he was going to pour into and then send out. And so, yeah, I wish we could have spent more time, but I, I felt like we covered the things we needed to to explain these are the guys Jesus picked for this particular task. He was going to charge them with an incredible responsibility. Right. And they were then supposed to be obedient to do it. They weren't the best guys to do this. There were tons of theologians. There were tons of, of rabbinical students right, who would have been right. better to do this in our mind. But That's what were, I was going to say yeah. in our mind. Because but these were the guys Jesus picked. Right. Yeah. That's who he could use. Exactly. Uh, maybe because they had no pretense of what he was going about. I mean, they had obviously the... Yeah. The, 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 the background, law yeah, I was about to say the, the, the background from being those guys. But but again, that is one of the things. It's so weird. One of the hardest parts of joining ministry sometimes is you have to unlearn the ways you've done stuff where you leaned in on yourself right. and go, okay, well, that, that isn't what God wants me to do. <laughs> he wants me to lean in on him. And unlearning is much harder than learning. Right. <laughs> it's a weird right. deal. If you're setting your ways on stuff, I've tried to help people. I've, I've coached you know baseball for years. And in that, like if somebody has a really bad stance or a really bad swing flaw mm-hmm. that they've had for a long time, it's hard to get them to unlearn that. It's much easier to take a kid who's you know little league t-ball age who has no clue what he's doing and get him in the right spot and then move forward. Right. As it is to get somebody to break bad habits. And so that's part of maybe why Jesus picked these guys. You don't know, but but in that. Man, he picked guys that look like you and me. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's kind of encouraging, honestly. Yeah. Well, and that's what I thought was very interesting, how you went about the sermon and, yeah. and kind of described uh, those those 12 apostles. Mm-hmm. So sometimes yeah. we just don't yeah. think that deeply into it. We take that surface level away from it, and it's like, yeah, yeah. But then when you really start digging into it, it's like, yeah. I know a guy like that. I know a guy like that. It was fun. And there was a lady, I don't know who she was. She was new to the church. She was visiting with somebody who who is a member here in the body. And she said, oh, gosh, I looked at you guys' website, and I knew that you taught in an expository fashion. You're walking through the acts. Right. And and I I was so excited about that. And then I showed up here, and you weren't going to be an acts. And she says, I was disappointed Mm because I thought it was going to be, and and this hurt my heart a little bit. She said, I thought it was just going to be a topical message. Well, topical messages don't have to be bad because you can still exposit scripture. You can still, oh, yeah. And, so, and, sure. and she was really encouraged by that. She's like, I love that you walked through that passage and, and looked at the 12 disciples because that's the deal. We, we get this opportunity to study scripture and go, what is that supposed to mean for us? How are we supposed to apply that? Right. And so that's just kind of what I tried to do was exposit, here's these 12 guys. What does that mean to us? It, it, honestly, it was a fun sermon. I enjoyed it quite, quite a bit. Yeah. It was very interesting yeah. just to learn some of that. So. Uh, which kind of leads into this this first question that we've got uh, from the group, from the congregation, rather. Uh, it says, sometimes we hear these guys called disciples, yeah, and now they're called apostles. Yeah. So what happened there, and, <laughs> and why did that happen? Yeah, that's probably not supposed to be as confusing as it sometimes <laughs> feels like. And again, man, we appreciate the, the questions from the congregation, and, and I hope it's a great opportunity for you guys to learn in that, uh, I made the joke about the disciples being part of Jesus's cool gang, and they got leather jackets, and, and none of that is true. But but the reality is that term disciple is used pretty frequently in Scripture to mean a learner. That's someone who Jesus okay. is pouring so into, or, or, or yeah. any any teacher is pouring into. And so the reality is every apostle was a disciple. There were lots of disciples that you see in Scripture. This is even in our command to go make disciples who make disciples out of Matthew. This idea that that we're going to get the opportunity to be learners. But not every disciple is an apostle, because apostle is a special word, especially in the Greek, where it means one who is sent. 
And so it's probably, I don't know that it's better. It's clearer maybe to think of them as missionaries. Those are people who are sent out. But because there are other people mentioned as apostles in scripture, you'll see Matthias, Mm -hmm. Apollos, some of these guys are also mentioned as apostles because they're kind of missionaries. They're guys who are sent. Okay. The 12 apostles are a special group because, and this is why, you know, like you still hear people talk about this, you know, and even in the creeds, you hear a holy uh, Catholic and apostolic church. Right. Uh, You know, but in that, it's this idea of following in the pattern of the apostles as being sent out into the world. And really, disciple would probably be a better word you know, for that, for what we see today, because those guys back then had a special calling. They were sent by God for this specific task, and they had a couple other criteria. They had to be eyewitnesses of Jesus. Right. And this is why we don't have apostles today. I think that's, <laughs> because that's they're, the core, yeah. yeah. There are no eyewitnesses of Jesus today. But also, they were given, if you remember, you know, specifically with these guys, signs and, and gifts and wonders and, and the ability to do healings and things like right. that that I don't believe folks get today either. So in that, these guys were special. They were unique in this group of 12 apostles. And so if you remember, Paul gets kind of grafted in. And he says, I'm an apostle, but I'm the least of the apostles. Well, why does he qualify as an apostle? Because he had that weird Damascus Road experience where he right. literally was an eyewitness of Jesus. He was, yeah. So so that part's important for us to know. So so again, we still tons of disciples today. I want to desperately to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, but I'm not going to be an apostle because I'm not an eyewitness of Jesus, even right. though I do feel like I'm a missionary because I'm sent. So I don't know how much we have to hang up on those terms, but but it is a little confusing even when we study it in the Gospels because these guys are disciples who become apostles, right? and not all disciples do that. <laughs> well, it's, it, it occurs to me that we ran into that a week or so back, yeah. and we've got name changes, yes. you know, yeah. Saul, yeah. and now he's Paul. We talked then, about that, yeah. And I didn't bring my cheat sheet with me, but <laughs> James... Uh, yeah. the, 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 you see a and, bunch of that where... God literally changes people's names because of the the purpose that he's got for them and what he's going to send them out to do. And we talked about that in okay. Midpoint last week, and you can send, you know, you can go back and listen mm-hmm. to the Midpoint, where truly Saul's name wasn't changed. He, he kind of changed how he referred to himself because of the people that he was going out mm-hmm. to meet. But in that, if God changes your name, as he did with Simon, to Peter... Because Cephas, that, that Greek word, means rock. Mm-hmm. And, and what does he, Jesus say later? On you, I'm going to build my church. Well, that's the great thing. And, and goodness, we could spend a lot of time going down with Peter, the first pope, and, and all the papal issues. Oh. You know. but, but in that, no, he's the, he's the foundation of the church. Well, it's not so much any denominational church or any religion. Right. It's God's unstoppable plan for the church. Peter was going to be the guy that he was building that on because he was the leader of the apostles. He was going out with that group to carry the gospel message. Right. And so God knows that. And so that's why he gets that name change. I, I wish I could have spent more time because it is fun to, to go through all the, the nicknames and, the, and mm-hmm. the added names, Judas Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot and James the Less again, which is a horrible nickname. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm James the Less. You know? We're not, we're not going to call you that. <laughs> yeah, so, so in that, you know, but, but again, some of that just was clarity because of the n- amount of double names included right. in that group of 12 guys. But no, that is a fun, fun study. And again, I, I can't, although I, I, I struggle sometimes with some of John MacArthur's um, pride more than anything. Um, I can't recommend that book highly enough, 12 Ordinary Men, because it really, like, if you want to get into the backstory of all these guys, 
it is a great, great read. And if you like history, that, yeah, like I do. that sounds interesting. Yeah, it's a really good book. Yeah, I, I, I literally, I remember reading it, whatever, fifteen years ago. I couldn't put it down. Like I was huh. just like, I am so tied into the story of these guys. All right, I know my next read then. <laughs> It's which, a good book. I've which, got a copy in my office. You yeah. can steal it. <laughs> On a side note, that is that's something that I've thought about because I enjoy yeah. reading about yeah. that, especially when you've when you've done some research mm-hmm. and you vouch for it. Basically, yeah. a book by John MacArthur or the book that you uh, you pulled from the the Reg Muffin Gospel, yeah, which I've now Manning. completed. Yeah. That yeah. Um, a lot of people don't know where to go. Yeah. as far as a good solid read. I think it's good to go to people that you trust yes. and say, what are you reading? There's tons. I, I just like to read. You know, everybody makes fun of me. They come up to my office because I've got seven books piled right, up. Right. <laughs> and it, I'm just so blessed that God has made me to where I like to read. But I think that's how we learn and that's how we grow. And and I, I reread two books this week, which is bad because I've got other new books that I yeah. want to be reading. But I went back and read a couple books that I'd referenced in sermons recently because they were just so stinking good. And I was like, oh, I remember really enjoying that when I read it. <laughs> and so, what are you going to do? It's, it's you know, we. I, I'm not yeah. going to. I'm, I'm going to say this without hopefully casting dispersions. Man, we could put our fo- phones down every now and again. We could stop watching so much TV or Netflix and and, and read. And I think we would really, really benefit from that. Time. Yeah, it, I think it engages a different part of the brain. It does for sure. It does. I yeah. mean, and and goodness, that's proven in studies. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. <laughs> Second question came in on the I feel like we email. went a long time on the first question. That, that was okay. This one could get <laughs> going one down that road, too. too. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed hearing about the characteristics of the disciples. Sure, sure. We've talked a little bit about that. Yeah. I was just wondering, is there anywhere in the Bible that tells us which tribes they were from? Yeah. In uh, the comparison that you gave at, at, at one point was the 12 tribes of yeah. Israel to the 12 to disciples. The 12 disciples yeah. it, what's the significance there? Well, and I don't believe that there is any significance other, beyond the number 12, which I think was all the Israelites back in the day would have recognized that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great question. And again, one from the congregation, man, we appreciate that, that, that folks are diving in that way. There, there's a long answer and a short answer, and the long answer mm-hmm. is way too long for what we have here in the podcast. Um, but it's probably referencing that idea that the 12 tribes were split into the 10 tribes of the Northern Kingdom and the two tribes of the Southern Kingdom, and and then you end up with this idea after Assyria came in, for all you history buffs in 722, right. and, and wiped out those 10 tribes. They, they begin to be referred to as the lost tribes of Israel. Well, here's the deal. They weren't really lost. Like, God doesn't lose people. <laughs> God exactly. was like, where'd they go? You know? right, right. They truly get assimilated into other cultures. You know, uh, There's a river, the Danube River, that people say, well, the people who are the descendants of the Dan tribe went over there, and that's how the Danube... You, know, you, hmm. you can follow history and track a bunch of that stuff. So I have never done the study, and it would be a fun study to do, man, be a, a lot of time, to walk through the 12 disciples and go, hey, which tribes do they descend from? Because mm-hmm. you could do that. You Take a little work, could. though. It's not in Scripture that I'm aware of. I, I, haven't, I don't remember seeing that anywhere in Scripture. But you could do it. You could just trace genealogies and do it. But, but again, I don't think the connection there is between the 12 disciples like descending from each of the 12 tribes. Right, right. I think it's just the number of when God had his initial plan for unity, it was through these 12 tribes. And sin and division breaks that up. Sure. Just as it does today. For that Sin is the thing that causes disunity today. Mm-hmm. And so the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples who become apostles are a reboot, a reconnection to that idea of I'm going to establish unity through these guys. So the beauty of it is 
God still got a plan. God's still sovereign over all this. The tribes truly weren't lost. You you see references in the Gospels even, um, and and you were up in my office a little while ago when we talked about that. The prophetess Anna, mm-hmm. who's mentioned in Luke two when Mary and Joseph go to the temple to dedicate Jesus, she's of the tribe of Asher. Right, right. And, and so that tribe isn't gone. It's just you know that that you have to trace the lineage to get there. Famously, I think John the Baptist, whose parents uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth are from the tribe of Levi. So that while the tribe of Levi is gone, I'm making air quotes for those of you, (laughs) you it's not truly gone because there are people who descended from that tribe and God still has their back. And so I I went and looked up this verse because I I referenced it with you and I couldn't remember where it was in Isaiah, but this is such a great capstone to this. Isaiah 11 verses 12 and 13 says, he will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. This, the he here is clearly God. Right. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Ephraim's jealousy will vanish. Judah's enemies will be destroyed. Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah. Does this sound like division? Nor Judah hostile <laughs> toward Ephraim. And so that's the idea. When Jesus comes back, when he's the prince of peace, when he reigns in the millennial kingdom, all that stuff is gone. All hostility is gone. All jealousy is gone. All division together. is gone. All the conflict is right. gone because the 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 divisions that existed between the tribes is put to rest, and that's right, the right. picture. You know, so to me, that's such a great question. Again, thank you to the the lady in the congregation who sent that question. That is such a great question because it makes us think. Then, what's the big picture? What's the real point Jesus is trying to establish with the twelve guys? And I think it's just this idea to the connection of there were twelve tribes of Israel. I'm going to reboot relational connection with these 12 guys, right? because the picture is still, as we talked in Psalm 133, unity. How good is it when we dwell in unity? I wish we knew more, because we don't dwell in unity very well. I mean, across the board, even, I mean, all the different denominations that we see in the world sprung because, well, I think you have to be baptized to be saved, or I think women should serve in this role. And and, and so it leads to these different denominations. And, And again, you can have some... Uh, clarity around salvific issues mm-hmm. and say, well, we can't really lock arms with this one or that one. But but in that, it's, it's not to say that somebody who is, and I'm, I'm going to throw names out and I'm not trying to name call or anything, someone who's Lutheran or Methodist, or, it's not that they're not saved. They believe differently theologically from where I do in, in Scripture. Right. But, but, but again, those, those things aren't salvific issues. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important issue by far. Right. And and you had said in this sermon and have said before, are are the things that we do, yeah. do they point back to Jesus? And you'd commented in this sermon, mm-hmm. make making sure that Jesus is the model and we are pointing back. Oh, always has to be. And his presence is what's important. Because that's the thing for me, even and we had a great discussion about this earlier. The the notion of unity and disunity. If we really are, if we're committed to saying, hey, let's gather around the things that we have in common, let's gather around the things that, that unite us rather than divide us, right. we'd all be better across the board. But again, some of this is our fallen nature, some of this is the sinful world we live in. We don't do that. We tend to focus on the things where we disagree. It's almost like we like to fight better than we, we like, like to be yeah, united. Yeah. Get that adrenaline going. And that is frustrating to me. And yet I've fallen prey to it myself. I know I have. So you know, how are we, we trying to be mindful of? And again, I, I appreciate it. I want to go back to that question because I appreciate it so much. I don't know that it's something we can do in the podcast to track you know, all 12 of the disciples back to a tribe, although it could be done. Does God have a plan for those 12 tribes? 
does God have a plan for these 12 disciples, the apostles? Does God have a plan for unity? Of course he does. Yeah, absolutely. Jesus comes back and everything is taken care of. Right. right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. Third question we have. We're on a roll. We got good time. <laughs> This one could take a while too. Though. Okay, all all good questions. <laughs> they are. You, you spoke again about yeah. relational connections. I just think it's the thing that we need yeah. to be talking about. It's not a salvation issue, but underneath the salvation issue, once we are saved, why does God leave us here? Right. Right. And and, I, and I'm so. positive it's because we're supposed to practice the fact that in heaven we're going to be about relational connections forever for eternity. Right. And so we ought to start getting this right here. Yeah. In one way or another. So yeah. are there ways that we can be connected yeah. without actually joining a small group? Yeah, and in and, and saying that for us, man, I love me some small groups. I, I really sure. do. I, I've been so blessed by groups that I've been able to be a part of. You get guys and, and ladies living life together and mm-hmm. and praying for one another and bearing burdens with one another. Um, so so I, I like if you've ever said, gosh, I just don't see myself ever joining a small group. Man, I, I would pray that that's something that folks continue to pray. Can I get out of my comfort zone on that? Could I just try one and, yeah. and start with a rooted group? Because right. it's a, a set amount of time. I mean, it's designed to be 10 weeks. You're mm-hmm. in that group, and then you could move on to another group. But but for 10 weeks, couldn't you do a rooted group? I think your life will be changed. And I love that rooted study too. So yeah, I, I think there's great benefit to that. It, the question was, is there a way to do it beyond that? Of course there is. And that's why we talk about so often here at OCC, find a place to serve. I, every week that I come into the, the service, I come in early and sit with the, the worship team as they go through their pre-meeting yeah, yeah. and, and walk through the order of service and everything. And then right after I leave that to go up to my office to pray, the gathering grounds folks are there. Mm-hmm. And those folks love each other. They, they just love serving together. They do. And, and so I look at that and I'm like, this is sweet. This is kind of exactly what we're supposed to do. And, but that's not just gathering grounds. Like I've seen that across the board in so many men, uh, ministries. The men's ministry team. That, that organizes events and does the yeah. breakfast and all yeah. that. They also Very meet, connected. Yeah, they yeah. meet together as a, as a planning team, but it's become a small group. Those guys just love each other. Yeah. The women's ministry team, which my wife is blessed to serve on, which your wife leads, they love being together. And, and so, yes, are they organizing the Christmas luncheon and the, all that? Of course, mm-hmm. they're, they're doing all the stuff, but they're in there living life together. And so it kind of is a small group <laughs> within that service opportunity. And so many of those have opportunities to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, friends of mine uh, were in the sound booth this past Sunday and Monday uh, volunteering, serving back right. there. And, and we have one guy who's uh, kind of paid as an uh, assistant to Brenton and does a great job, and we mm-hmm. love him, our buddy Daniel. Uh, but then the other was a couple, just a, a married couple that were serving, one of them on projection and one of them on running the soundboard. Yep, right. And every time I look back there, Man, they were dancing and singing and, and just having such a blast serving. Yeah. Using gifts that they had. To serve. Like, there are so many ways, you know? And and so they've made this relational connection. They were married. They already have the connection. But now they've kind of, you know, they're, they're pouring into Daniel. Here's this married couple right, in there. Right. You know, and, and so that's, I, that's sweet. Yeah. And it's super sweet to see. And so that's the kind of thing where I'm like, man, I hope we realize those chances are all over the place. And you hear us talk about it a lot because it's that important. But there are a ton of ways that you could serve here. I've seen folks, my wife volunteers down in the in the children's ministry serving, and she's become good friends with people who serve down there yeah. that she wouldn't have met if she hadn't been part of that service. Exactly. Team. Yeah. So so is there a way beyond a small group? I, I still think the small group is a great, great way. I'm not gonna say it's the only way, because it's not. There are tons of other ways. 
But yeah, find a place to serve. Figure out how God has gifted you. Figure out what you're supposed to do with that Mm -hmm. and jump in somewhere. And you will make relational connections. Multiple opportunities. Yes. You know, you can have your larger group there in a a rooted group or a a small home group or something like that. And you may have other connections to where you go out with a few people and do coffee or have lunch. But uh, it's like in in, in marketing or advertising, Mm -hmm. multiple points of connection right there. Yeah, good, good. Good segues to that, yeah. but but that's kind of the deal. And again, I'm not saying you can't do both. You you could find a service opportunity and be in small group. Right. You you know your bandwidth. You know what your time is. But I would say those relational connections are that important. You got to be in one for sure. You should. <laughs> yeah. And and kind of backing up to something that we've talked about in the past: the fact that uh, God desires your devotion. Part of that is that desire to serve yeah. God. Sure. And we have said. We have opportunities. We don't need you to come and work at the church. That's not what we're looking for. We're we're looking to to enable you to to fulfill that devotion and that service to God and, and be a kingdom builder. That's what we're looking for. The the fact that God allows us to offer things like childcare for services and stuff. That yeah, it, it almost makes it sound like well, gosh, we got to have people do that. If we didn't have people who showed up, and, and this happened for us over the summer, we weren't able to offer children's ministry stuff mm-hmm. at, t- at the 1030 service because mm-hmm. we just didn't literally didn't have people. And that hurts my heart, and I know it hurts Wes's heart because he, he's got such a passion for this. But the reality is we have to have the people to do that. It's not just that we want to do it. I think it's important for us to do it because it makes it that much more appealing for young families to come and be part of exactly. OCC. Exactly. So that part's important for, for growth. But in that... You know there are people sitting in the body who have those gifts who could be doing it, and if they're not doing it, they're not joining God. And so they're not growing in the way they're supposed to. Exactly. And and, and yep. that, to me, that's just as important. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see somebody come and literally shoot themselves in the foot for the way God wants to grow them. Right. So so both those things end up getting married in that. And, and again, I think that's a great point that you make. It's not that we need to be able to offer this ministry. God desires to draw you more into fellowship. Exactly. That's that's the gist of it. Yep. So, well said. Looking ahead, oh, can goodness. you give us a sneak peek into what's coming on Sunday? Anything gonna, that we can be praying about? Church, we're going to preach out of the Bible again this week. Believe it or not, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, jump back into Acts, and and what is really, uh, it's a tough. It's a very somber passage. It's just tough. It's it's basically the entirety of Acts chapter twelve, except for the very last verse, which will introduce uh, Paul and his missionary journeys. But it's it's a tough chapter because it's a lot about death. It's a lot about execution. People are being put to death. Mm. And and one guy gets a pardon, our buddy Peter, mm-hmm. as we continue to study. And, and, and there's just some amazing stuff that happens in Peter's life. And I've already started uh, studying and praying and researching, and I'm just having a blast with it. But yeah, for us to be praying, to be able to, to wade through what is a pretty somber passage, you know, talking about death is really never fun. And talking about death by execution, I mean, these people these are death row. So. Yeah, it's even less so. You know? uh, so, so it is. It's heavy, but it's in there in Scripture. God wants us to learn from it. What are we supposed to, to be able to apply there, today? Yeah. There's a reason it's there. Yeah, and, and there's, there is just some great stuff. I was working on an outline, and I came up with these six points that all start with the letter R, and I was like, this is ridiculous. But <laughs> <laughs> Which starts with an R. <laughs> Which starts with an R. I was having all kinds of fun with it. But, but you know, the alliterative, alliterative thing sometimes helps people remember, and, and so it was pretty easy. They kind of just literally fell out of the passage right? because there's a word rescue in there, and so you start working through that. But, but in that, it's this idea of... Yeah, even though this happened 2,000 years ago to Peter, 
what are we supposed to do to apply it in our lives today? And and Peter literally was was in a spot where he was in prison for his faith, mm-hmm. and God busts him out because he's the founder of the church. He's got work still right. to do, you know. Yep. And, and so in that, here we are sitting in this what is a very weird world, what are, what looks like a very chaotic world at this point in time. We're not in prison, but I think we put ourselves in prison sometimes. I, I literally sense. think sure. we do um, in in this, and, and I, I haven't landed this plane yet. But Peter, you know, gets busted out of jail by an angel again, which is really cool when you think about it. <laughs> and and but there's still stuff Peter has to do, and so like the angel busts him out, but Peter has to go put his shoes on, put his clothes on. You know, uh, they get to the gate, and the gate opens magically, and, and gates back in that day would have required a bunch of men to, you know, they were big, heavy right. gates. Yeah. The gate just opens and then Peter's out there and he's like, well, I'm not just going to stand here. I just got out of prison. So he goes, hides. <laughs> and, and so in that there's a part we're supposed to play. Like God's got all this, but there's a part he wants us to play in this. And I, and I've seen, I, I know myself, I've done this. I've seen people kind of short circuit ourselves. Cause we're like, well, God's got a gate there in front of me and I don't know what he's going to do. Well, dude, go to the gate and see if he doesn't open it. Right. Yeah, take, open a, it for take you. a step. Yeah. Take a step in faith and see what happens, as opposed to just going, well, there's nothing I can do. Because in this, Peter was literally chained to a couple big hairy dudes, you know, Roman soldiers, and God yeah. busts him out with no problem yeah. whatsoever. And then what does Peter have to do? Put on his shoes. That's not that hard. <laughs> you know, so, so our part in it may not be as hard as what we're thinking. Let's not be deterred by the fact that, yeah, there's a big gate in front of us. God wipes out gates pretty easily. That, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. So I, I'm again. I, I've got twelve pages of notes already. So we'll see where <laughs> where it lands. But but that's what I'm thinking about anyway. Okay. If folks could be praying. Where do we see ourselves being able to apply? Because again, this is a somber message. But where do we live it out? So. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's always <laughs> the question. It is for sure. How and where are we going to live it out? Amen. Yeah. Might be a little thing. Might be a big thing. I, we just got to take the step. I wish I could answer for folks for us. I can't. I mean, I, I struggle sometimes answering for myself. I know I'm not supposed to, but we are all supposed to wrestle with that. What does God have for me in this passage that I'm supposed to live today yep. to bring him glory? Yep, yeah. exactly. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, I could have gone longer. <laughs> so all of you out there in Radio Land, we hope you enjoyed this week's midpoint. If you'd like to send any questions or thoughts into the show, please email or text uh, OCCpodcast at lewisandocc.org. Be sure to join us in services on Sunday morning, 9 and again at 1030, as well as Monday night at 7 o'clock. And we are starting to grow our little Monday night group a little bit more. It's fun. And we've got folks bringing in friends, so that's very encouraging. Uh, Hope to see you all very soon. Be well. Know that you're loved by God and Orchard's Community Church. Love you guys. Be back.